This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is These Walls Are Thin. I hope you guys are excited about today's podcast. This week, we're going to go back to what we love to do, which is this, the, the kooky and the smooky and the ooky. <sighs> y'all know, I, I realize y'all did not like my number series. I'm going back to what I know best and what I do best. Um, so I hope you guys had a lovely weekend. I did. I know I did, honey. We are in Aries seasons, girl. So I like Angie came back. I kid you not. It was like I was feeling sick and tired. And I mean, I even low-key had stomach situation. We don't have to go into details what the stomach situation is. But I had a stomach situation on, uh, what was it, Sunday or Saturday? Sunday. My stomach was not fucking with me. My stomach was like, girl, I don't like you. There. I said, we've been beefing for years. You keep eating spicy stuff, and I don't like spicy stuff. You keep eating cheese crackers. I don't like cheese crackers. You sit over here, and you eat this stuff that you know I don't like. You can't simply do the vegetables and rice. So my stomach hates me, um, but I ordered some pita. It has some Mediterranean food, and for some reason, the Mediterranean food was totally okay with me. So... Yeah, I hope you guys had a lovely weekend. Part of it was good. Half of it was not because Sunday, I'm telling you, my stomach was like cussing me out. My stomach does not like me. My stomach wasn't fucking with me. So I hope I hope everything's all well. It's all nice and sunny outside. I feel like spring, honey. We had two transitionings, okay? We had Aries season coming through. That's a cardinal sign. So this started everything. You know, you know Aries. Aries do start stuff. I'm not just talking about bad stuff. I'm talking about good stuff, too. They're leaders, okay? They're a fire sign. So, shout out to all my Aries out there. There's no shade to Pisces, Aquarius, and uh, to Capricorn. I'm not shading you guys, but I had no energy with y'all, all right? Capricorn messed up and gave me some COVID-like symptoms, and I didn't have COVID, but it felt like I did, okay? Uh, Aquarius, you already know we beefing. I'm beefing with you, all right? You are the two-thirds of the air signs that I'm beefing with. The other one is Gemini, but we ain't going to go there. Uh, And Pisces, Pisces, girl, you drug me. You mess with my stomach and everything. You had me thinking I was going to die. So shout out to Aries for bringing in the fire, bringing in the heat, and letting it burn. Thanks for the energy, Aries. Um, and we also had the spring season start. So springing is springing because everybody decided to cut grass yesterday. <laughs> everybody was cutting grass. I'm like, no. Not we cutting grass on a Sunday. Sunday's a day of rest. Have respect. Granted, the Sabbath day is Saturday, so I hope y'all kept it holy. Um, but other than that, um, welcome to spring. We finally made it to another spring. 
I hope you guys are enjoying yourself, okay? Because guess what? Maxi dress season is here, so get your body tight and right. Period. Get the body right, okay? We're going to do some damage this year. I have plans on doing some damages, but we're not going to. It's not going to talk about the damages I'm trying to do. But uh, it's going to be business-wise. Let's just say that. Let's just say y'all going to really figure out who's the queen of all things, okay? So I hope you guys are having a lovely, lovely Monday. Welcome to spring. Spring has sprung. That means that hype girl season is nigh. <laughs> That's for all us single ladies. If you married, you can't do hot girl summer. You can't do hot girl summer if you're married. Mm -mm. If you married, you can't do hot girl summer. You can't do that. That's just against the whole rule. Hot girl summer is for us single women, okay? For us to have fun. And hot girl summer is not about sleeping with people or nothing like that. It's like it's about enjoying your life, enjoying yourself, and enjoying the fruit of your labor, okay? A lot of these girls out here, they are hardworking. They work hard for everything they get, and they work. And so now the summer is here, and so it's now it's time to have fun. Go to the beach. Get a nice, nice, lovely tan, okay? Hang out. Have fun with your friends. Enjoy yourself. Date a little. Date. Don't sleep around with everybody because y'all nasty. Y'all don't even tell people y'all got COVID. So, I can't imagine all the other little demons y'all got crawling up on you. But, yeah. Um, and y'all gonna be like, the last podcast you just did, you sound like you had no energy. I didn't. I didn't. It was gone. I don't know. It's just crazy. It's like it was Pisces season too. I was like, what is this? Am I dying? Am I dying here? Are you dying? Are we dying? But keep in mind, like things die during the winter. And so when spring comes through, um, there's rebirth, born again. You know, that's why we celebrate Easter, because it celebrates the resurrection. You know, it celebrates death and resurrection. We already talked about this on this podcast. I'm not going to get into details of that. Um, so, yeah. So today we are going to be talking about Miss Joanne, the scammer, Elizabeth Holmes, girl. I have started watching the Netflix series, not the Netflix series, the Hulu series with Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried is doing her job, by the way. I mean, I ain't ever seen somebody who was so dark-sided Aquarius in my life. Girl, she has all the traits of a dark-sided-ass Aquarius. But I have to give it to her. She was good at selling her brand. So, I mean... She was great at selling her brand. You got to give it to her, honey. She, she, Joanne, to scam all these people. 
out of billions of dollars to start her business which wasn't doing nothing and she fired people that didn't do anything to her so we're going to be talking about elizabeth holmes we're going to be talking about her boyfriend that helped her out uh sunny balwani and um we're going to be talking about elizabeth holmes today but before we talk about elizabeth holmes i'm gonna i want to scrape the surface a little bit of some topics that are happening but y'all know on friday on my um my youtube channel we call talking shit with tiffany it's talking shit but i'm gonna change it um I, i'm gonna change it to something else but right now we are not in the standing position because we can't really uh we ain't got the coins to be spending on cocktails with tiffany right now all right so we're gonna be it's talking shit with tiffany and on fridays i do a live stream i talk about the things that i didn't get to on my podcast but i'm gonna scrape a little bit of the surface talking about some things that happened over the weekend which it seemed like everything happened. So um, I want to first uh, give my um, thoughts and prayer um, to do to the uh, Pace family, the Pace sisters. I don't know if y'all know this, um, but you know, of course, y'all know her for the um, the meme y'all be doing on TikTok with y- y'all use her voice singing. Um, but LaShawn Pace has passed away. Um, little did y'all know her sister last year passed away. Her, her sister name was Durinese Pace and she passed away last year. So she paid, passed away this year. Um, all my thoughts and prayers go out to the Pace sisters. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. That's, that's two loss in one year. Um, I can't imagine. I can't fathom how the family feels. Um, Y'all don't know the Pace sisters like that. Y'all know the Clark sisters, but y'all don't know the Pace sisters like that. Some of y'all know who the Pace sisters are, but because I know when they announced it today, y'all announced it because y'all know her for that famous meme y'all be doing. Y'all use her voice for the, you know, act like you know thing, the act like you know challenge. Um, But she is part of a big family um, of sisters called the Pace sisters. And they're gospel singers, and they've been in the entertainment industry for years. And um, their sister last year passed away in January of 2021. So now, unfortunately, they another sister, LaShawn Pace, passed away um, this year um, over the weekend. So my hearts and prayers goes out to their family. There's a lot of loss um, in just a year. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, I was like, okay, this is crazy because, you know, she comes from a huge family of women, of sisters who know how to sing. And last week we just lost, um, we lost Tracy. We lost Tracy Braxton and she's part of a a group of sisters who sing too. So it, that's, it's, hmm. Y'all know my conspiracy theories. I don't like making conspiracy theories when things are still freshly being mourned. Um, because you really don't know really, truly how things really work. If you're not flying a wall, you're not part of the family, or nobody explained to you what's really going on, you can't really tell people what's really going on. People be talking about in a matter of fact kind of way. Um, and that's not necessarily always the story. But, you know, it's a lot of big families losing a lot of big 
personalities, a lot of big voices, and a lot of talented people. So, you know, before we jump to conclusions and start doing conspiracy theories, and yes, I am a conspiracy, I do do conspiracy theories here, but I don't like making assumptions anymore because you really don't know the true story. You don't want to accuse somebody of doing something they're not supposed to be doing. So once again, my heart and thought, my heart and my thoughts go out to LaShawn Pace and the Pace sisters and the Pace family. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. My condolences for you. Um, let's just say she is very talented, lady. The Pace sisters are very talented women. So that's very unfortunate um, news to wake up to. I also woke up to some interesting news on Sunday, but I'm not talking about that. Because we're in a whole different season. We're in a whole different year. And this is the start of the actual year, actually. So this is actually New Year's Day. Um, so I'm not going to go in what happened last year. Because we're in a new year. So... Um, I want to talk about y'all know there is beef apparently between Kanye West and Dio Hughley. I didn't think it was such a big deal, but there are people out there who will vouch for Kanye. So, apparently. Reporting from the new, new, saying New Year's, <laughs> from Neighborhood Talk, um, rapper, rapper Theophilius London says he confronted Dio Hughley about Kanye West beef and told him to apologize. This. Y'all know I went on a whole rant on Thursday. I went on a total rant where I was like, you know, it don't have to get to this level. It doesn't have to get to this point. First and foremost, Theophilius, um, London, come on. And I don't think it's really an issue. I didn't think the, the Kanye West and Dio Hughley thing was a beef. But for you to roll up on him and for him to have to call security because you out your bunker's mind... This is ridiculous. Okay? Dio Hughley gave an opinion and Kanye West didn't want to hear it. That's all. It's nothing to get into a battle with. There's nothing to get into a fight with. This is really stupid. And I said this stupid thing was stupid and to let it go. But this also go to show you, um, I was sitting up here and I was looking at uh, uh, Industry Insider and he basically said that, you know, Steve Harvey was sitting up there doing what he do, talking about something. You don't want to try D.O. Hughley. Well, D.O. Hughley, you've been tried, and you call security. I'm going to leave that at where it's supposed to be. <laughs> Let's just, I say this, Kanye West is a billionaire. You don't want no problem. People go where the money resides. Where the money reside, where the money reside. Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, I 
got some other stuff I want to talk about, but I'm going to leave it to my um, YouTube channel. But we got a lot to talk about. I might go live tonight to talk about this, but I really want to get into Elizabeth Holmes because this story is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-S-S. Okay, Gwen Stefani. This story is crazy. I'm going to say this. And this no offense. I know y'all be like, y'all always made things a black and white thing. But if y'all gave that loan uh, to a black woman, she would have actually did something with it. I'm just saying that. A black woman's not going to be able to join a scam a bunch of white people out of a billion dollars. Okay? That's just that. That's just that. That's just that. Okay? That's just that. That's just that. If y'all invested in some black businesses, let's just say this. If y'all broke up even that billions of dollars and gave a million dollars and broke up that billions of dollars, we'll figure out what to do. I'm going to be honest with you. The business I want to build, honest to God, I probably just need about 100K. I tell you, this area I stay in is so disrespectful. I'm over here trying to breathe a nice spring air. And this big old tractor trailer just came through and sat here. Like, I feel disrespected. I feel violated. I don't know how else to feel. Give me one second. But um, we would definitely be doing a review of the weekend and the whole week on my live. I just want to talk about that for a few minutes. I just um, want to start off with that. Um, so without further ado, we got to unpack this whole Elizabeth home mess she done made. You Aquariuses love making messes and don't think you need to clean it up. As always, was his fault? That's the voice she was using. Hi. That's the voice she was using. Okay. So we're going to talk about this in this way. Because that's how Elizabeth Home talks. So we're going to change our tone. Okay. We're going to level up. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Holmes. But of course, we got to get a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to continue this. Now I'm continuing to talk about it like this. Granted, Amanda Seyfried said it hurt her throat, and I see why. You know, when I first heard about this story, I think I was watching um YouTuber uh Kendall Ray. Shout out to Kendall Ray. Um, I found out that her and her husband finally um got pregnant. Um She's having a baby girl. Congratulations to Kendall Ray. She's one of my favorite YouTubers that I watch. Um, she was the one that introduced me to Amanda Holmes. I mean, Elizabeth Holmes. See, I'm combining Amanda Seafried and 
Elizabeth Holmes name together because that's how good Amanda Seyfried is playing the role. Um, so you guys, um, today we're going to be talking about, we're going to unpack this crazy story surrounding Elizabeth Holmes. And I want you guys to think I am highly intelligent and highly convincing tech monster. So I want you guys to sit back and relax. I want you to get a snack. Today looks like it's going to be a lemonade, um, iced tea day. With that good ice, if you know what I mean. I need somebody to go buy Zaxby's to go get me a cup of that good ice. Um, We're going to be talking about Elizabeth Holmes, okay? So I have several articles I want to talk about that's surrounding Elizabeth Holmes. Um, I was going to write a whole thesis statement, um, but the thesis statement fall back. This first article is from Vanity Fair. It was written October 2016. It was written by Nick Bilton. Oh, it was an October 2016 issue, but it was written on September 6, 2016. So this article is kind of a little agey. It says, How Elizabeth Holmes' House of Cards Came Tumbling Down is in a searing, searing investigation into the once-lauded biotech startup Theranos. Nick Bilton discovered that it's precocious Founder defied medical experts, even her own chief scientist, about the veracity of his now discredited blood testing technology. She built a corporation based on secrecy and hoped that she could still pull it off. Then it all fell apart. Let me get out my Amanda Holmes voice and get into my Selena Johnson. Where do you go when it all falls down? Where do you go when it all falls down? Kanye West. The War Room. It was late morning on Friday, October the 16th. Y'all know I was supposed to be born on October the 16th. When Elizabeth Holmes realized that she had no choice. She finally had to address her employees at Theranos, the blood testing startup that she had founded as a 19-year-old Stanford dropout, which was now valued at, at some $9 billion. Two days earlier, a damning report published in the Wall Street Journal had alleged that the company was, in effect, a sham and its vaulted core technology was actually faulty and that Theranos administered almost all of its blood tests using competitors' equipment. My throat is already hurting. I don't know how Amanda Seyfried did it. <laughs> My throat, and I'm telling you, I have allergies from pure hell, right? So my throat was already kind of burning anyway, but I can't imagine she did that throat thing, girl. Amanda, I feel for you, girl. All right, 
The article created tremors throughout Silicon Valley, where at homes, the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. It seems like you guys like to give that title to a certain type of women that look a certain type of way to have a certain type of privilege. Had became a near universal praise figure. I didn't know who the hell this bitch is. Okay, when I first heard about this story, I was like, who is she? And I'm pretty sure I would have been one of those people who would have praised her. Because I'm going to give props to where props is due. I'm glad they started praising her. I feel bad for any little girl that looked up to her at the time when she was crowned the first billionaire. The first young self-made billionaire. I, I'm glad I didn't. Let's continue. Curiosity about the veracity of the journal story was bubbling throughout the company's mustard and green Palo Alto headquarters, which was near the end of a seven of a $6.7 million renovation. Everyone and the Reynolds, from his scientists to his marketers, wondered what to make of make of it all. For two days, according to the insider's home, who was now 32, she was 32 in 2016, she's 38 now had refused to address these concerns. Instead, she remained largely holed up in the conference room surrounded by her inner circle. Half-empty food containers and cup of stale coffee and green juice were strewed on the tables as she strategized with a phalanx of trusted advisors, including Ramesh Sunny Balwani. Then Theranos president and CEO Heather King, the company's general counsel, and lawyers from Boyce, Schiller and Flexner, the interpret law firm and crisis manager co- management consultants. Most of the people in the roar room had been there for two days and nights straight, according to an insider, leaving mainly to shower and make a feeble attempt at a couple of hours of shut eye. There was also an uncomfortable chill in the room. At Theranos, Holmes preferred that the temperature be maintained in the mid 60s which facilitate her preferred daily uniform of a black turtleneck with a puffy black vest and a homogeneity that she had borrowed from her idol, the late Steve Jobs. Holmes had learned a lot from Jobs. Like Apple, Theranos was secretive even internally. Just as Jobs had famous insist uh, at one infinite loop, 10 minutes away, the department was genuinely Slowed. Holmes largely forbade her employees from communicating with one another about what they were working on, a culture that resulted in a rare form of executive omniscience. At Theranos, Holmes was a founder, CEO, and chairwoman. There wasn't a decision from the number of American flags framed in the company's hallway that are obquintous to the compensation of each new hire that didn't cross her desk. And like Jobs, crucially, Holmes had also paid indefatigable attention to her company's story. Its narrative. Theranos was not simply endeavoring to make a product that sold off the shelf and line investors' pocket. Rather, it was attempting something far more poignant. In the interview, Holmes reiterated that Theranos' proprietary technology could take a pinprick worth of blood extract from the tip of a finger instead of extracting and test for hundreds of diseases. Remarkable innovation that was going to save millions of lives and in a phrase she often repeated, change the world. In a technology sector populated by innumerable food delivery apps, her quincoxtic 
Ambition was applauded. Holmes adored the cover of Fortune, Forbes, and INC, among other publications. I know that means incorporation, but I see ink. Okay, I'm just going to say ink. She was profiled in the New Yorker and featured on a segment of Charlie Rose. In the process, she amassed a network of around $4 billion. Why can't I get nobody to pay for my dreams like that? Can we talk about this? As somebody that's a future business owner, why can't y'all invest in people who actually have, like, this is crazy to me, okay? Think about it. And I'm going to be going back and forth to the articles, and I'm going to be going back and forth between the articles and the movie. Because in the movie, it kind of, I mean, you kind of see that she's always been like this. But at this point, she's taking it too far, okay? So keep in mind, I'm, I'm just going to dumb down a little bit what they're saying because they use some big words that some of you guys don't know. Um, so basically, Elizabeth Holm got people to invest $6 billion in technology that did not work, okay? So if you're watching the movie alongside with me, Okay, which y'all not, but if you have what well, not the movie, if you're watching a TV series starting Amanda Seafried, you would know that okay, she took this technology to Switzerland and faked the blood test. Okay, so the blood testing technology that she was using did not work. Instead of sitting there and trying to figure out how to keep it working, she fired the two individuals that helped her come up with the faulty technology to begin with, okay? So she fired the original two guys who helped build the technology for her blood testing sample. Because I guess it was their fault, right? Because we're a generation of not taking accountability for our actions. Y'all? Yeah. And so I'm going to give you a little uh, idea of what we're dealing with. Elizabeth Holmes, she did not graduate college, Okay. The same, she, I guess she wanted the same story as Steve Jobs, okay? Steve Jobs and uh, Mark Zuckerberg. She changed her voice to sound like Mark Zuckerberg, by the way. Um, so, basically, she, her, the way she got her thing to be noticed is by the science department at Stanford University. And she got her funding through that. So you telling me that all these companies, including Walgreens, girl, mm -hmm, Walgreens found itself in this little Joanne the Scammer scheme. Walgreens invested in this girl's invention. And, and the crazy part is, is she wouldn't let their the guy that's supposed to look at the lab, she wouldn't let them look at it. And her and about one is ass. Bullet people. So they would not be able to go to the labs.
I want to ask this question. Because this all started, what, in 2006, 2007, and she started getting investors when she was at Stanford. Um, and then she started investing herself into the company. Um, so she basically was getting money from people off an idea. So if you were not working on a, the faultiness, if you were not doing it, because let's be straight up honest, the guy that originally helped her build it, she fired him. And this poor man sacrificed his personal everything. You know, he sacrificed spending time with his family. A lot of stuff. These original guys that helped her build the faulty technology, she fired them. And there was one guy that stayed there and it, and, and it was in there. I don't understand. What were y'all doing from 2007 to 2018? You got $4 billion. Medical companies, pharmaceutical companies, and well-known stores that you always ordering uh, Kit Kats from. Walgreens. We're willing to invest in your invention. You're telling me they spent money on your technology and it was still faulty? She had a very long time in her life to fix this. And people kept throwing money at her. Like, well, I need this to this. I don't have the money or technology to do this. It's like, okay, we're willing to help you. So people were sitting up there with freaking tow trucks full of money and just dumping the money out on her. And she still didn't fix the faulty system. Because she fired the two guys that helped her originally. Let's continue. One of the, um, oh Lord, is this right? Yeah, it is. One of the only journalists who seemed unimpressed by this narrative was John Kerry Rue, a recalcitrant health care report from the Wall Street Journal. It's not that I don't know how to read. I just had to take time to see the word. <laughs> Kerry Rue. Came, a, came away from the New Yorker's story surprised by the Reno, the Reno's secrecy. Such behavior was to be expected at a tech company, but not a medical operation. Moreover, he was also struck by Holmes' limited ability to explain how it worked. And y'all still kept throwing money at this bitch. When the New Yorker reported asked about Reno's technology, she responded somewhat cryptically, a chemistry is performed that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is translated into a result, which is then reviewed by certified laboratory personnel. Let me translate what she just said. She just basically tell you that um, I have a faulty, faulty technology that does not know what the hell it's doing. I have not recalibrated it in the guys who originally built this thing that I'm carrying around and getting people to do this thing with. Um, yeah, I fired them. 
And I don't know technology. I went to college and I dropped out and I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I won't listen. I don't listen. I'm hard-headed. I'm arrogant. I'm a sociopath narcissist. Let's continue. Shortly after reading the article, Carrie Rue started investigating Theranos medical practices. As it turned out, there was an underside to Theranos story that had not been told, one that involved questionable lab procedures and results, among other things. Soon after Carrie Rue, Carrie Rue began his reporting, David Bowes, the superstar lawyer and Theranos board member who had taken on Bill Gates in the 1990s and represented Al Gore during the 2000 Florida recount case, visited the journal newsroom for a five-hour meeting. Bo subsequently returned to the journal to meet with the paper's editor-in-chief, Gerard Baker. Eventually, on October 16, 2015, the journal published the article, Hot, Hot Startup Theranos Has Struggled with His Blood Test Technology. Hmm. Let's say during the two days in a war room, according to numerous insiders, Holm heard various response strategies. The most cogent suggestion advocated enlisting members of the scientific community to publicly defend Theranos. His name, his name in Almagam of Therapy and Diagnose. But no scientist could credibly vouch for Theranos. Under Holmes' direction, the secretive company had barred other scientists from writing peer-reviewed papers on its technology. Once again, she's showing signs that this thing does not work. And everybody's ignoring it because y'all fell in love with the idea of it. And that's a bad habit a lot of you guys have. During the two days in the war room, I already watched Yeah, I already did that. It says, absent a plan, Holmes embarked on a familiar course. She doubled down on her narrative. She left the war room for her car. She's often surrounded by her security detail, which sometimes number as many as four men, who, for safety reasons, refer to the young CEO as Evil One, and headed to the airport. She has been known to fly alone on a $6.5 million Gulfstream G-150. So uh, we know where six point five million dollars went of that four point four billion four billion dollars, right? You over here balling like you got the technology. Holmes subsequently took off for Boston to attend a luncheon for a previously scheduled appearance at the Harvard Medical School Board of Fellows, where she will be honored as an inductee. Girl. During the trip, Holmes filled calls from her advisor in the war room. She and her team decided on an interview with Jim Cramer, the host of CNBC, Mad Money, with whom she had a friendship that dated from a previous interview. It was quickly arranged. Cramer generously began the interview by asking Holmes what had happened. Holmes, who had talked slowly and deliberately and blinked with alarming irregularity, replied with various of lines from Jobs. This is what happened when you work to change things, she said. Her long blonde hair tussled her smile amplified by red lipstick. What you over there changing, girl? You changing? What you changing? 
Because you got, you got $4 billion to invest in the right technology. So you had enough money to invest in the right technology. Am I not right? So, but you choose to spend it on a six point, what? You chose to spend it on a $6.5 million Gulfstream plane. So you have a private plane, you have private security, but your ass ain't got no technology and you ain't got nothing to do anything with the technology. You could afford the best scientists at this point, dear. But you chose to be trash, just like everybody else on Instagram. First, they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden, you change the world. When Kramer asked Holmes for a terse, true or false answer about an accusation, in an article she replied with a meandering 198 words retort. Mm. By the time she returned to Palo Alto, the the consensus was that it was time at last for Holmes to address her hundreds of employees. A company-wide email instructed technicians in lab coats, programmers in t-shirts and jeans, and a slew of support staff to meet in the cafeteria. Their homes with Balwani at her side began an eloquent speech in her typical baritone, explaining to her loyal colleagues that they were changing the world. As she continued, Holmes grew more impassioned. The journals, she said, had gotten the story wrong. Carrie Rue, she insisted with a tinge of fury, was simply picking a fight. She handed the stage to Balwani, who echoed her sentiment. After he wrapped up, the leaders of Theranos stood before their employees and surveyed the room. Then a chant erupted, Fuck you! Employees began yelling in unison, Carrie Rue! It began to grow louder still. Fuck you, Carrie Rue. Soon men and women in lab coats and programmers in t-shirt jeans joined in. They were chanting with fervor, Fuck you, Carrie Rue. They cried out, Fuck you, Carrie Rue. Fuck you, Carrie <laughs> But the joke was on you, Theranos employees. The joke was highly on you. You were being warned and you didn't take it as a warning. And so now the joke is on you. Okay? Trina from Victoria Justice. The joke is on you. The Silicon Valley company had an origin story, a fable often slightly embellished to humanize its mission for the purpose of winning over investors, depressing it, and if ever, gets to the point, customers too. These origin stories can provide a unique and uniquely powerful lubricant in the valley. After all, while Silicon Valley is responsible for some truly astonishing companies, its business dealings can also replicate one big conference game in which entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and tech media pretend to vet one another, while, in reality, functioning as cogs in a machine that is designed to not question anything and buoy one another all along the way, basically. It generally works like this. The venture capitalists, who are mostly white men... (laughs) Don't really know what they're doing with any certainty. It's impossible, after all, to truly predict the next big thing. So they bet on little bit on every company they can with the hope that one of them hits it big. 
The entrepreneurs, also mostly white men, often work a lot of meaning, meaningless stuff like using codes to deliver frozen yogurt more expeditiously or apps that let you say yo and only yo to your friends. Hmm. The entrepreneurs genuinely glorify their efforts by saying that their innovation would change the world, which tend to appease the venture's capitalists because they can also pretend they're not the only ones to make money. This also helps seduce the tech press, also largely comprised of white men, which is often read to play a game of access and exchange for a few more page views of the story about the company that is trying to change the world by getting frozen yield to customers more expeditiously. The financial reward speaks for themselves. Silicon Valley, which is 50 square miles, has created more wealth than any place in human history. In the end, it, is in, it isn't in any way's interest to call. Bullshit. I want y'all to keep in mind the person who wrote the article is a white man himself. So, yeah, you can't say that I wrote the article. He wrote the article. Holmes' real story, however, was a little more complicated when she first came up with the precursor to the idea of Theranos, which eventually aimed to reap vast amount of data from a few droplets of blood derived from the tip of a finger. She approached several of her professors at Stanford, according to everyone who knew Holmes back then, but most explained to the chemical engineers major that it was virtually impossible to do so with any real efficiency. Efficiency. It's the word. I told her, I don't think your idea is going to work, Phyllis Gardner, a professor of medicine at Stanford, said to me about Holmes' seminal pitch for Theranos. Now, I think Phyllis Gardner, this is the lady that's played by Roseanne's sister in the, in the movie, okay? Um, she was the one, and it's always women that see when a woman is full of shit, okay? Only us women see when women are full of shit. A woman will wrap you around her finger and have you thinking all these things, but it's always the females around that will sit up there and tell you straight up, she full of it. I don't think she going to get nowhere. I don't think she doing what she doing. I think she needs to continue to go to school and figure out what the hell she's talking about. And she was the one that told her that. She said, we're years away from that technology. Now, this was 2020. This was 2000, wait, four, five, almost 20 years ago. We could have been there if Elizabeth was actually working on the technology with this thing. Let me continue. As Garner explained, it's impossible to get a precise result from the tip of a finger from most of the tests that Theranos would claim to conduct accurately. When a finger is pricked, the probe breaks up cells, allowing debris, among other things, to escape into the interstitial fluid. While it is feasible to test for pathogens this way, a pin prick is too reliable for obtaining more nuanced readings. Furthermore, there isn't that much reliable data that you can read from just a small amount of blood. But, but Holmes was nothing not, Holmes was nothing if not determined. 
Rather than drop her idea, she tried to persuade Channing Robertson, her advisor at Stanford, to back her in their quest. He did. It would not be usual for a finger stick protesting to be met with skepticism, says the spokesperson for for Theranos. Patents from the period explained Elizabeth's idea and were foundational for the company's current technology. So, and this is the crazy part. This is why you got to have people from the medical field to sit there and, and explain to you, can you really get enough evidence from one prick of the finger and she's saying no because it's a lot of debris and it gives you idea of pathogens but it doesn't really give you exact tests of what's going on it's the same thing with when they prick your finger because i thought they low-key already had that they do prick your finger and they do a test and they explain to you what's going on with your test okay so it doesn't get enough information to specify exactly what your diagnosis is i found out but they can prick your finger and find out if something irregular with your blood. That's how I found out I was anemic in high school. I was going to give away blood. They saw something was irregular, but I had to go to the doctor. And they had to do a more extensive test on the irregularity that was in my blood. And we found out that I was iron deficient anemic. But a finger prick does not work like that. While we're on this topic, when I heard about the story initially, I already thought they had a machine that did that. You know, and that's why I was telling you, you know, when I found out I was anemic, they took my blood test. And so I assumed this technology was already invented. So I was like, why are you inventing something that's already there? But apparently it was testing something else and it wasn't giving you the exact diagnosis of something. We talk about something besides the blood related illnesses. We're talking about she's trying to get the test where you basically take a drop of blood and you find out if somebody it has cancer or it's prone to grow tumors, uh, sickle cell uh, anemia. That's a blood disease. Sorry. Um, cancer. Um, all the other stuff that's related to blood. I mean, not related to blood. Things that are not related to blood, like cancer and stuff like that, detecting things before Get a pre-diagnosis before you get sick. And I think that's what she was trying to invent. But it fell flat on his face. I'm going to tell y'all this. Another thing is she wasn't the one that invented the technology. She talked about inventing the technology. She had other people work on the technology for her. That's the difference.
Let's continue this article. Home subsequently raised $6 million in funding, the first of almost $700 million that would follow. Money often comes with strings attached in Silicon Valley, but even by its Benzentine term, homes was, were unusual. She took the money on the condition that she would not divulge to investors her how her technology actually worked and that she had final say and control over every aspect of her company. This is Surin. This scared off some investors. How about that? When Google Ventures, which focused more than 40% of its investment on med- medical technology, tried to perform due diligence on Theranos to weigh in weigh an investment, Theranos never responded. Eventually, Google Ventures sent a venture capitalist to Theranos Walgreens Wellness Center to take revolutionary pinprick blood tests. As the VC sat in her chair and had several large vials of blood drawn from her his arm, far more than a pinprick, it became apparent that something was amiss with Theranos' promise. Google Ventures wasn't the only group with knowledge of blood testing which felt the, that way. One of Holmes' first major hires, thanks to an introduction by Channing Robertson, was Ian Gibbons, an accomplished British scientist who had slews of degrees from Cambridge University and had spent 30 years working on diagnostic and therapeutic products. Gibbons was tall and handsome with straight reddish-brown hair and blue eyes. He had never owned a pair of jeans and spoke with a British accent that was a combination of colloquial and posh. In 2005, Holmes named him Chief Scientist. Gibbon, who was diagnosed with cancer shortly after joining the company, encountered a host of issues with the science at Theranos. But the most glaring was simply the results were off. This conclusion soon led Gibbons to realize that Holmes' invention was more of an idea than a reality. Still bound by scientific method, Gibbons wanted to try every possible direction and exhaust every option. So for years, while Holmes put her fundraising talent to use, hiring hundreds of marketers and salespeople, communication specialists, and even the Oscar-winning filmmaker, Errol Morris, who was commissioned to make short industrial documentaries, Gibbons would wake early, walk his dog along a trail near his home, and then set off the office before 7 a.m. in his downtime. He would read... I, Claudius, a novel about a man who played it dumb to unwittingly become the most powerful person on earth. So this guy, she's talking about Gibbons. This will be played by the dude that was in V for Vendetta, okay? That's the guy they're talking about. Now, y'all, if y'all watching this series like I'm watching this series, y'all know she did him dirty, okay? Her and Balwani's ass. And y'all gonna realize I'm gonna always say about money's ass. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. But you know, it was, you know, whatever it is. Um, it is what it is for him. Um, he basically knew that everything was off, but he was bound by science and knew that there is a possibility of it happening. I'm going to be straight up honest. It's not too far-fetched that technology is going to be able to give you a diagnosis of if you have a certain disease or not. But that wasn't what's happening with her. 
that was not what was happening with her and she was trying to get him to do something she was basically getting these guys these engineers these technicians all these people to help her work with this but she was not doing or building the machine herself which in a lot of cases if you look back on the stories when it comes to microsoft and apple they built the technology with their hands. This wank didn't do nothing. She was paying people to do it. So people, she was paying people to get in her head and to build an idea that she had in her head. I wish people invest in my ideas. I'm pretty sure y'all make money off my ideas. And I ain't got nothing to do with technology. But, you know, y'all want to be trash, so be trash. While Gibbons grew even more desperate to come up with a solution to the inaccuracy of the blood testing technology, Holmes presented her company to more investors and even potential partners as if it had a working, fully realized product. Holmes adored her headquarters and website with slogans claiming one tiny drop changed everything and all the same tests, only one tiny sample. Went into the media overdrive. She also proved an effective crisis manager. In 2012, for instance, Holm began talking to the Department of Defense about using Theranos technology on the battlefields in Afghanistan. But specialists at the DOD soon uncovered that the technology was entirely accurate and that it had been vetted by the Food and Drug Administration. When the department notified the FDA, and something was amiss. According to the Washington Post, Holmes contacted Marine General James Mathis, who had initiated the pilot program. He immediately emailed his colleagues about moving the project forward. Mathis was later added to the company board when he retired from the service. Mathis said he never tried to interfere with the FDA, but rather was interested in rapidly having the company technology tested legally and ethically. At around the same time, Theranos also decided to sue Richard Fuse, an old friend and neighbor of Holmes' family, alleged that he had stolen secrets that belonged to Thanos. As the suit progressed, it was eventually settled. Fuse's lawyer issued a subpoena to Theranos' executive involved with the proprietary aspects of the technology. This included Ian Gibbons. But Gibbons didn't want to testify. If he told the court the technology did not work, he would harm the people he worked with. And if he wasn't honest about the technology problem, however, consumers could potentially harm their health, maybe even fatally. Ain't it funny that when some people lie, people instantly catch them. But with some other people, when they lie, nobody catch them. But people know they're lying, but they're willing to believe that this person's lie is going to really come true. Meanwhile, Holmes did not willingly did did not seem to willingly to tolerate his resistance, according to his wife Rochelle Gibbons. Even though Gibbons had warned the technology wasn't really ready for the public, Holmes was preparing to open Theranos Wellness Centers in dozens of Walgreens across Arizona. Ian felt like he would lose his job if he told the truth. Rochelle told me as she swept, as she wept out wet one summer morning in Palo Alto, Ian was a real obstacle for Elizabeth. 
He started to be very vocal. They kept him around to keep him quiet. Channing Robinson, who had brought Gibbons to Theranos, recalled a different conversation, noting he suggested to be on numerous occasions that what we had accomplished at the time was sufficient to commercialize. A few months later, on May 16, 2013, Gibbons was sitting in the family room with Rochelle, the afternoon light draping the couple. When the telephone rang, he answered it was one of Elizabeth's assistants. When Gibbons hung up, he was beside himself. Elizabeth wanted to meet with me tomorrow in her office. He told his wife in a quivering voice, do you think she's going to fire me? Rochelle Gibbons, who has spent a lot of her time with Holmes, knew that she wanted control. Yes, she said to her husband reluctantly. She told him that she thought he was going to be fired. Later that evening, gripped and overwhelmed with worry, Ian Gibbons tried to commit suicide. He was rushed to the hospital. A week later, with his wife by his side, Ian Gibbons died. But you're going to change the world, right? You definitely changed the world, all right, you conniving bitch. When Rochelle called Holmes' office to explain what had happened, the secretary was devastated and offered her assistant condolences. She told Rochelle Gibbons that she would let Holmes know immediately. But a few hours later, rather than a condolence message from Holmes, Rochelle instead received a message phone call from someone at Theranos demanding that she immediately return any and all confidential Theranos property. So, this man who had her back and he knew that the technology wasn't where it was supposed to be, but he had hopes that it was going to be where it's supposed to be. Got fired by this trick hoe, right? And she basically, when he died, which he died from trying to commit suicide, instead of giving her condolences, even give her a basket of fruit, even going by Kentucky Fried Chicken and get a 20-piece, $15 basket, she asked for Theranos' property back. This goes to the scene in the movie where the guy, because I'm not at the part where she actually fired him, and I don't think we see that part until the next episode. And I don't know if the next episode is already out, but I'm at the part where he... You know, he gets in trouble and he gets fired. And then the people that works for her actually protest the firing of this man. And she brought him back, but she had him at a desk job. Because she didn't want no trouble. She didn't want no problem. But she still caused a problem. The hundreds of interviews with the media and on panels, Holmes honed her story to near perfection. She talked about how she didn't play with Barbies as a child and how her father, Christian Holmes IV, who worked in environmental technology for Enron before going on to work in a number of senior government jobs in Washington, was one of her idols. But her reference for Steve Jobs was perhaps more glaring. 
Besides the turtleneck, Holmes' proprietary blood analyst device, which she named Edison after Thomas Edison, resembled Jobs' next computer. She designed her Thermino's office with the Le Cabousier black leather chairs, a job favorite. She also adhered to a strange diet of only green juice, cucumber, parsley, kale, spinach, romaine, lettuce, and celery to be drunk only at specific times of the day. Like Jobs, too, her company was her life. She rarely even left the office and only going home to sleep. To celebrate her birthday, Holmes held a party at Theranos headquarters with her employees. Her brother Christian also worked at Theranos. But the most staggering characteristic that she borrowed from the late CEO was his obsession with secrecy. While Jobs had a fearsome security force who ensured the confidentiality information rarely, if ever, left Apple's headquarters, Holmes had a single enforcer, Sonny Balwani, the company president and chief operating officer, until he stepped down in May. Balwani, who had previously worked at Lotus and Microsoft, had no experience in medicine. He was hired in 2009 to focus on e-commerce. E-commerce. Nevertheless, he was soon put in charge of the company's most secret medical technology. According to a number of people with knowledge of the situation, the two had met years before he began the company. When Holmes took a trip to China after she graduated from high school, the two eventually started dating numerous people, told me, and remained very loyal even after their relationship ended. Among Holmes' security detail, Balwani was known as Eagle 2. Don't y'all love the theatrics these fake and phonies got going on here? When employers questioned of the, the accuracy of the company's blood testing technology, it was Balwani who chastised them in emails or in person sternly telling staffers this must stop as the Wall Street Journal reported. He ensured the scientist engineer at Theranos did not talk to one another about their jobs, their work, I mean. Applicants who came from a job interview were told they wouldn't know what an actual job was unless they were hired. Employees who spoke publicly about the company were met with legal threats. On LinkedIn, one former employee noted next to his job description, I worked here, but every time I say what I did, I get a letter from a lawyer. I probably will get a letter from a lawyer for writing this. If people visit any other Theranos office and refuse to sign the company's lengthy long disclosure agreement, ooh, I'm gonna need you to sign the NDA. Uh, they were not allowed inside. I'm gonna start making people sign NDAs with me, by the way. By wanting lack of medical experience might have seemed unusual at such a company. But few at Theranos were in positions to point fingers. As Holmes started to assemble her board of directors, she chose a dozen of older white men, almost none of them who had a background in anything related to healthcare. What the hell? This included former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State George Salt, and former Georgia Senator and Chairman of the Armed Service, Service Committee Sam Nunn, and William J. Perry, the former Defense Secretary. Bill Frisch, the former Senate major majority leader and former cardiovascular doctor, was an exception. This was a board that was better suited to, de to decide if America should invade Iraq than vet a blood testing company, one person said to me. 
Gibbons told his wife that Holmes commanded their attention masterfully. Girl, will you please explain to me? Was she trying to take over the country? Or was she... <laughs> she needs to be tried for some at some point for uh, treason. You over here hiring people who are expert in government takeover. Nobody thought that there was anything sinister about this? Nobody? Anyone? Hello? I was speaking to you on the left or you on the right? To me, it feel like she was trying to run the country. Y'all don't think that's treason? This girl hired Kevin Kissinger. So she did not know what the hell she was doing. She said, well, I got the money. So what I'm going to do? I'm a hire. These people with big names. That's like me hiring uh, Condoleezza Rice, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> the former President Obama, uh, who else? Nancy Pelosi to start a nail, nail salon. It's like, I've hired these people to do a nail salon. They have nothing to do with doing nails, and none of them probably ever went to nail school or know about health and sanitation dealing with nail school, but I'm hiring them because they have names. You could tell, like, a young, stupid idiot was running this company. He was like, I want all the most powerful people here at my company. This is so millennial. <laughs> to run a blood company. This is so millennial. I mean, you can tell she did not graduate from it being a childhood dream to it being an adult aspiration. And that was the whole point of going to school, right? It's to learn the ins and out of the medical field. she ain't over here telling Henry Kissinger what to do. Girl. Girl, Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, Sam Nunn, and William J. Perry. Theranos board was not, board may not have been equipped to ask what exactly the company was building or how what others were. While Holmes was bound around the world on private planes, speaking on panels with Bill Clinton and giving passionate TED Talks, two government organizations started quietly inspecting the company. On August 25, 2015, months before the journal story broke, three investigators from the FDA arrived and announced at Theranos headquarters on Page Mill Road. And with two more investigations sent to the company's blood testing lab in Newark, California, demanding to inspect the facility. According to someone close to the company, Holmes was sent into a panic call advisors to try to resolve the issue. 
at around the same time. Regulators from the Center of Med Medicare and Medicaid Services, which regulates laboratories, visited the lab and found major inaccuracy in testing being done on patients. The Newark lab was run by an employee who was criticized for insufficient laboratory experience. CMS also soon discovered that some of the tests Theranos was performing were so inaccurate that they couldn't leave patients at risk of internal bleeding or of strokes among those prone to blood clots. The agency found that Theranos appeared to ignore erratic results from its own quality control checks during a six-month period last year and supplied 81% patients with questionable test results. While the government was scoring, scoring through Theranos inaccuracy files, inaccurate files and data, Kerry Rue was approaching the story as not as a fawning tech blogger, as a fawning tech blogger, but rather as a diligent investigative reporter. Carrie Rue, who had worked at the Journal since 1999, had covered topics ranging from terrorism to European politics and financial misdeeds before returning to New York newsroom and taking over the Health and Science Bureau. As a reporter of the obscure, often faceless subject, he was not enticed by assets, nor was he afraid of lawyers. In fact, he had won two Pulitzer Prizes for taking on nemesis as significant as Vivendi and the U.S. government. Woo! After a team of seasoned lawyers arrived at the journal newsroom, Carrie was simply embodied. It's okay if you got a smartphone app on a social network and you go live with it before it's ready. People are going to die, he told me. But with the medicine, it's different. And that's true. Because she was testing sick patients, y'all. And some people can't afford even that one prick. Let's continue. Meanwhile, Theranos had its lawyers send a letter to Rochelle Gibbons, attorney threatening legal actions for talking to reporters. It has been company's desire not to pursue legal actions against Mrs. Gibbons. A lawyer from Boys, Schillers, and Flexner wrote, unless she immediately sees these actions, she will leave the company no other option but to pursue litigation to definitely put an end to these actions once for all. Others who spoke to the journal were met with similar threats. Back in March 2009, Holmes returned to Stanford campus where her story had begun to talk to a group of students at the Stanford Technology Venture Program. Her hair wasn't yet bleached blonde, but she had started to wear her uniform of a black turtleneck and she was just beginning to morph into the idol she would soon become in Silicon Valley. For 57 minutes, Holmes paced in front of the chalkboard and answered questions about her vision. It became clear to me, she said with conviction, that if I needed to, I'd restart this company as much as possible to make things happen. This is exactly what Holmes seemed to be doing now. Executive from Theranos include Holmes and Balwani declined to sit for interviews. For a recent July afternoon, I traveled to the company's headquarters anyway. From the outside, Theranos seemed to be in a sad state. The parking lot was devoured of cars or more than half the space empty and half full depending on your outlook. The giant American flag that hanged in front of the building was flaccid at half staff. 
on the edge of the parking lot, a couple of employees were smoking cigarettes as a single security guard stood nearby taking a selfie. On the Friday morning that they gathered in the war room, Holmes and her team of advisors had believed that they would be one negative story away from the journal. One neg- what would be one negative story from the journal and that Holmes would be able to squash the controversy. Then it would be back to business as usual, telling her flawlessly curated state story to investors, to the media, and now to the patient who used her technology. This is exactly what Holmes seems to be doing now, executives. You know, if it ain't one thing, it's another. From Theranos, including Holmes. Oh, I already said that. <laughs> Did I? Holmes and her advisors couldn't have been more wrong. Carrie Rue subsequently wrote more than two dozen articles about the problem at Theranos. Walgreens severed its relationship with Holmes, shuttering all of his wellness centers. The FDA banned the company from using its Edison device. In July, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service banned Holmes from owning or running a medical laboratory for two years. This decision is currently under appeal. Then came to came the civil and criminal investigation by the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Attorney Office for the Northern District of California and two class action fraud lawsuits. Theranos board has subsequently been clevered into clevered into with Kitchener Schultz and Fritz, now merely counselors. Holmes, meanwhile, isn't going anywhere as the CEO and chairwoman of Theranos. Only she can elect to replace herself. Yep, they got you in trouble. Silicon Valley, once so taken by Holmes, has turned its back too. Countless investors have been quick to point out that they did not invest in the company, that much of its money came from the relatively solemnant world of mutual funds, which often accrue the savings of pensioners and retirees, private equity, and smaller venture capital aberrations on East Coast. In the end, one of the only Valley VC shops that actually invested in Theranos was Draper Fisher Jervis. Jervison. Many may have lived liked what Holmes represented about their industry, but they didn't seem to trust her with their money. Well, you weren't supposed to trust it to begin with, but that's neither here nor there with me. Meanwhile, Holmes has somehow compartmentalized it all in August. She flew to Philadelphia to speak at the American Association for Clinical Chemistry annual conference before she stepped on stage the conference organizer played the song sympathy for the devil for the ballroom packed with more than 2,500 doctors and scientists holmes was wearing a blue button shirt do a blue button up shirt and a black blazer she had recently abandoned the black turtleneck she spoke for an hour while rapidly flickering through her presentation the audience was hoping that holmes would answer questions about her edison technology and explain whether or not she knew it was a sham but instead Holmes showed off a new blood testing technology that a lot of people in the room insist were not new or groundbreaking Mm. so you were on top of the world Now you're at the bottom. Let's continue this story. But instead, home shot off and oh yeah, that's what it is. Later that day, she was featured on Sanjay Gupta's CNN show. 
and a few weeks later appeared in San Francisco at a splashy dinner celebrating women in technology. Elizabeth Holmes won't stop, Phyllis Gardner, the Stanford professor, told me. She's holding on to her store like a barnacle on the side of a ship. Holmes may not be prepared to compartmentalize what comes next. When I arrived in Palo Alto in July, I wasn't the only person sent out to interview anyone associated with Darren Nelson Holmes. The Federal Bureau of Investigation was, too. When I knocked on the door, I was only a day or two behind FBI agents who were trying to put together a timeline of what Holmes knew and when she knew it. And the most unpredictable twist to a story she could no longer control. Mm. I want to talk about this because I was going to get into talking about Balwani because Balwani's trial is going on right now. I want to talk a little bit about this for a minute because I find this to be something that it's crazy, right? So you're telling me I've always been one of those people where people always say you need to show me what you got and show me what you working with or anything like that. And if I don't have it to show I don't try to make up a story that I have it. This is like, what is it? Because, see, here's the thing. These companies don't want to admit they were bamboozled by Miss Holmes, okay? They don't want to admit they were bamboozled. They don't want to admit they were lied to. They were tricked into believing something that was not true. They want this technology to be available. They wanted this to happen, okay? They wanted this to happen so bad to them where they bank on this woman who never showed them the technology that she was working with in order for it to go down. They were so willing to believe that this was real. They want this technology to happen so bad to where they believe the lies of this woman. Keep in mind now, people are not going to invest in people businesses no more by what you're saying. They want you to show them what you're talking about. They want you to show them what they're talking about. The next part of this, we're going to talk about Sonny Balwani. And we're going to talk about his case. So 
but I want y'all to sit back and relax and I want you to listen about his case um, as well, okay? Before I started talking about um, Sonny Balwani, I want to talk about like the parts of the movie that this is discussing and this is talking about or whatever. Okay. Um, Sonny in the movie, well, in the TV show, in the, in the series, it is put out like she didn't want people to know that he and her were together because she didn't want people to think that she needed a man to help her. But in the end, he ended up being the man that she ended up depending on to help market herself, to end up selling help, selling herself. And I found that to be ironic. I'm going to tell y'all this. Um, everybody wants to pretend like they're self-made, that they did something and they built something on their own. When that's not true. That's not true at all. So we're going to talk about Sonny Bawani and what's going on with him and his court case is coming up soon or it's going to start. I don't know. We're going to find out in this article. This article is from CNN.com. It was written by Sarah Ashley O'Brien. And it was updated on Monday, March 14th, 2022. It says Elizabeth Holmes, number two, and ex-boyfriend is about to have his day in court. More than two months after Theranos founder and former CEO, Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four of 11 charges in her criminal fraud case. The trial of her ex-boyfriend and second-in-command at the failed blood test company is set to begin. Ramesh Shani Balwani, who served as the Theranos chief operating officer and president, was first indicted alongside Holmes nearly four years ago on the same set of federal fraud charges. His trial is expected to kick off as soon as Wednesday. With opening arguments in the same San Jose, California courtroom where Holmes was convicted. A jury of 18 people, including six alternates, was initially selected on Friday and expected to be sworn in on Monday. So today they're expected to be sworn in. But the court said Monday afternoon that the further jury selection is necessary and slated to occur on Tuesday. So that's supposed to happen tomorrow. <laughs> the trial, which is close to camera, cameras and audio recordings, is slated to go on for 13 weeks. Balwani faced a dozen federal wire fraud and conspiracy charges over allegations he knowingly misrepresented the cap capabilities of Theranos blood testing technology to investors, doctors, and patients in order to take their money. If convicted, Balwani faces up to 20 years in prison as well as a $250,000 plus restitution for each court of wire fraud and conspiracy court count. He has pleaded not guilty. Home sentencing has been set for late September. So they have not sent his um, homes yet. So she's going to be in jail waiting for them to sentence her. So she already kind of low-key serving time. I think or no. I don't know. Because her offense is a nonviolent offense, even though she caused somebody to off themselves. 
Balwani is less of a household name than Holmes and one-time tech industry icon. He was featured on magazine covers and has been a subject of documentaries, podcasts, and most recently, The Dropout, a limited series on Hulu. But his trial could offer a new glimpse into their relationship and decision-making process inside the C-suite at Theranos. It could also offer a forum for Balwani and his his attorney's his attorneys to point the finger at Holmes after she attempted during her own trial to shift the blame to Balwani. I'll be interested. It will be interesting to see with any specific defense that Balwani raised and whether he goes after her as much as she went after him, says George G. Friedman, a white collar defense attorney who has represented high profile defendants such as Bill Cosby. Yikes. Theranos claim it had developed technology that could accurately and efficiently conduct a range of health tests using just a few drops of blood taken by the fingertip. At its peak, Theranos was valued at $9 billion. Where prominent investors such as media mogul Rupert Murdoch and Walmart's Walton family. Hey, y'all don't ever invest in nothing I ask. Nah, I'm joking. But for real though, <laughs> Have y'all thought about investing in someone who is not of of the Caucasity of it all? I'm just saying. Granted, Caucasian is also the wrong ethnicity to call somebody white, but, you know, that's the only... What's the word of saying? Only a politically correct way of calling a white person a white person. It also struggled retail partnership deal with Walgreens and Safeway. But it all began to unravel following an October 2015 Wall Street Journal investigation that showed its technology didn't work as promised. Theranos ultimately dissolved the business in September 2018. Balwani had a career as a software executive, first met Holmes in 2002 before she dropped out of Stanford to pursue the startup in 2004. So, you had 14 years to do what you had to do to get this technology popping off. And you didn't do it. Y'all gave this bitch 14 years? Wow. Y'all funny. Balwani, oh yeah, I said that. Nearly 20 years her senior, Balwani served as an informal advisor to Holmes in Theranos' earliest days, and the two became romantically involved. In 2009, Balwani had guaranteed a multi-million dollar loan to start up. According to court filing, it took on a formal role as president and chief operating officer. He served in that capacity until 2016 when he left the company. Throughout that time, the two largely kept their relationship hidden. In 2018, Theranos and Holmes settled massive fraud charges with the Security and Exchange Commission. Bawani is fighting those charges. Bawani attorney Jeffrey Coopersmith previously called the SEC actions unwarranted and stating that Sonny Bawani, whatever, fuck him. Um, accurately represent Theranos to invest to the best of his ability. 
Cooper Smith of Oric Harrington and Sutcliffe LLP is representing Bawani in his criminal trial. Cooper Smith declined to comment for this story. Federal prosecutors had hoped to try the two Theranos executives together, but their cases were severed after Holmes indicted. She planned to point the finger at Bawani, something, something she ultimately did when she took the stand in her own defense. Under oath, Holmes claimed Bawani had abused her psychologically and sexually and over the course of their decades-long romantic relationship. Bawani's attorney have strongly denied the allegations in the court filing. She using that uh, missing white girl syndrome against them. That's what she using. Um, she want people to believe that this Pakistani man held her against her will, forced her to get these people to invest in her company, even though he was the one to help her get investments for her company. And then she turned around and said he psychologically abused her and he raped her. Now, keep in mind, let's talk about this. In the movie, not in the movie, in the TV series, she was sexually assaulted. But they never said who sexually assaulted her. Now, she allegedly, she's alleging that he sexually assaulted her. I don't believe a damn thing she is saying. She is picking on the fact that this man is a brown person. He's a POC. And the fact that he is from a Middle Eastern country. He's Pakistani. And she's using y'all xenophobia against you. POCs, people of color, you have been warned on several different occasions. That's all I got to say. I'm not going to continue to read the article because I knew she was going to do that. She was going to use the fact that people are xenophobic against Balwani. Um, I knew she was going to do that. Because they always do that in the end. It's always the black or brown guy did it. I had nothing to do with it. I knew she was going to blame him. I don't know why he thought he could partner with this woman. I don't know why he partnered with this woman knowing the technology didn't work. And the truth of the matter is he didn't know the technology didn't work. He just helped her bamboozle these big companies into giving her money. With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I really want to go deeper. I might do that um, on Friday. Doing my live, it all depends. Or I might do a whole Patreon video on this. Because you got to be careful these days. You got to be careful with using race. You got to be careful with using xenophobia. You got to be careful because people want to sit up here and say you're racist when you clock that period. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed my podcast on Elizabeth Holmes. I hope you guys Watch the, the Hulu series on Hulu, and it's called The Dropout, if I'm not mistaken. 
It's called The Dropout. It's a play on words and a play on her talking about some one drop. You only use one drop of blood. Um, I don't think back then, I think we were way off with the technology. But now that I look at it, it's pretty obvious to me that if she, instead of trying to present herself like she's Mark Zuckerberg's jobs, she should have focused more on the technology. And the truth of the matter is she should have went back to school and learned about technology and learned about medical science. Rather than trying to be that. Um, and once again, Forbes, you named somebody who was not a self-made billionaire. A self-made billionaire. Because y'all passed that on to freaking Kylie Jenner. There's nothing self-made about her. Her ass wasn't even God-gifted. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I hope you guys are having a lovely Monday. This was pretty long for me. And I got more articles dealing with Elizabeth Holmes. I might be talking about her a little bit more. Going into details. Going into the numerology of her all. I think she's a life path number nine. So, yeah. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is Lady Tiffany Ma. And this is These Walls of the Thin. What you do in the dark will come to light. Y'all see it. Y'all see it. That being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I am like a cell Audi. Tomorrow we'll be talking about Asha Degree. She has been missing for 20 years, y'all. She has still not been found. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. I'm Audi. <laughs>